1: There are lots of lousy businesses,
2: and there's lots of wonderful businesses.
3: It's the art and science of money.
2: My job has been to try and figure out which is which.
3: It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio Studios in Toronto. With Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers, here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle.
4: Well, good evening, my friends. Welcome to the weekend. Another episode of Hi-Fi Radio, a show about money. It is the season to, well pull up our socks and get a little more serious about life. That's what we do in the month of September. And, well, I must say, uh, from a seasonal point of view and a volatility point of view, the market has been uh, quite manageable so far. Uh, Again, the months of uh, September uh, and October can be uh, a little treacherous. uh, But so far, this market has a lot of uh, strength behind it. Uh, Again, driven by uh, easy money, uh, liquidity. Uh, That is the theme, my good friends, and our Our chief strategist, Tony Dwyer, uh, continues to speak about the period of indigestion uh, whereby this market has had an incredible move off the bottom, uh, almost straight up, and now it's going somewhat sideways with a slight upward trajectory, but it's digesting um, uh, such massive moves, and that can take some time. Um, At some point, uh, he believes, that, and we all agree with him, uh, that the market will uh, uh, solidify either higher or lower, and the probabilities... Uh, and likelihood is higher. Uh, the question is uh, how we get there. and uh, so it was a pleasure to speak with John Johnson, a good friend of mine from Bay Street. He used to work in one of those big banks with me and uh, he's a big fan of the Grateful Dead, a student of the market, uh, a philosophical man, I must say, a very cool individual, uh, and uh, continues to work uh, with Davis Ray as a strategist, uh, chief economist. Uh, are you were you're working part- time now, uh, John? Uh, you're semi-retired, but still, Have uh, your toe in the water, foot in the game.
2: Yeah, and it's great. I love it. Well, uh, good for you. Uh, So
4: uh, uh, speak to us. uh, What's on your mind with respect to the market? Open-ended question for you.
2: All right. Well, I was just sitting and listening to what you were uh, saying about uh, Tony Dwyer's take on the market. And uh, I I have to confess that I agree with him right now. Um, We were due for a bit of a, a correction. Uh, an interme- what, what uh, our old friends in the trend and cycle department at that bank would call an intermediate correction. Uh, we mm-hmm. saw that in some commodities. Uh, we saw that in the cyclical currencies like the Canadian dollar, uh, the Norwegian krona, the Korean won. Uh, we saw a cyclical, an, an intermediate rebound in the U.S. dollar consistent with that. We saw widening in corporate spreads, not a blowout, but a widening in corporate spreads. And we saw parts of the stock market go through intermediate corrections as well. You know, small cap stocks got dinged and a a number of sectors uh, got hit. And uh, uh, the broad markets, though, really didn't get dented that much consistent with the comments uh, about liquidity, interest rates, and I would just add the trajectory of the economy. Even if it's not spectacular, uh, it looks pretty ingrained and it's pointing upwards for the foreseeable future. So I also agree that any resolution uh, and in the consolidation phase that we seem to be going through in the broad equity markets is probably to the upside. Uh, I think that we're still in, the, uh, in a secular bull market. They tend to run for 10 to 20 years up, te- you know, 10 to 20 years down. We're in the 10 to 20 year up phase. And uh, usually during those phases, the pullbacks, the intermediate corrections, and even the four-year cycle corrections tend to be fairly modest. They get, their, you know, this, everything is skewed to the upside. And I think that's where we are now. And I don't foresee uh, a recession. Uh, For the next couple of years, at least, I don't see a dramatic withdrawal of liquidity by central banks for at least a few years. I don't think that we'll see short-term interest rates anywhere near 2% until maybe 2024. And I'm considered to be on the hawkish side in terms of what I think about interest rates. So I think all in all it points towards pretty good markets and I think a little bit of choppiness, even a decent pullback if we do have a bit of a, an upset maybe around the debt ceiling or you know some other event like that is is good it's a reminder that there is volatility and we need you know to have a portfolio that uh, uh accepts that is diversified and is prepared for some dents here and there. Uh
4: everything very very well put JJ. Um Friends at home, look, we're getting technical here, but again, that is part of the business uh, and understanding uh, the complexities of markets and how we invest as individuals to build wealth. And again, it must be respected. Uh, So again, we're just going to ask you to sharpen your pens a little bit try a little harder to work to stay with us on the conversation because I think it'll help you better understand the verbiage and the language that is constantly being bombarded to you from the media so the better you understand that the better you can appreciate uh what uh, it is trying to, to explain to you um so so Javid Mirza again our our technician, our resident technician at Canaccord, and Jack and I are very fortunate to have a true market technician because they, they, they are not being as well funded uh, in this day and age uh, by, by the industry. And so to, to have a, a number of strategists plus a market technician is, is, is a real um, uh, uh, arrow. Arrow in our quiver, I think that's what it is, arrow in your quiver. Yes, right. indeed, that, that is correct, yeah. Um, and so Javid uh, is looking for the four, year, and you know this, uh, Jay, that's I'm asking you the question to maybe better explain it to us. Um, he's expecting a four-year cycle reset uh, any time between you know, three months ago and, and early spring of next year. So he is expecting that eight to 15% type pullback in the broad market. Uh, setting the stage then for another four-year move higher. And he, too, is in the camp. And friends at home, this is very uh, optimistic. So when we listen to what we're going to say here, uh, but uh, JJ saying it, uh, uh, Javid Mirza saying it, and I'm buying into it, have for a number of decades, that this bull market we are in, yes, there'll be corrections along the way, significant ones, 20, even 25% corrections along the way, maybe 30, but uh, for the next... Eight years, nine years to 2029, 20, 2030. I think it's 2029. 20, uh, market goes higher. Uh, I think the, the anniversary of the great crash is going to be the end of the secular bull market. That's going to uh, scare the bejeebies out of me as I perhaps enter retirement. I'm 56, JJ. So I got nine years to go. And I think the secular bull market is going to end when I leave Bay Street, as it should. No? Hey, come on.
2: That's, a, that's good timing. So when you retire, <laughs> yeah. I'll sell everything and move into the bunker with my bottle. I, I, I I have to, I,
4: that's what I got to do. I going to sell everything. Well, Javis says, no, you're going to sell international equities, U.S. equities, and you're going to buy the cyclical commodity based equities, yeah. uh, just as we had in 2000. In 2000, the U.S. market went dead. It was a bear market in, in America for about 11 years. Uh called the financial crisis marked the low or the European debt crisis marked the low. And I think it was the European debt crisis or the U.S. equity debt clock crisis that marked the low and the new bull market began. I repeat, that was in 2000, call it 2011, friends. Uh, So it's been running for 10 years, we're 2021. And a lot of forecasters, JJ included, Javid included, Jack and I have been speaking of this secular bull market are running for 15 to 20 years. Uh, So yeah, we're in the second half. Uh, of that uh, playbook and and so far it, it, it's remarkably tracking uh the prediction but it's never that easy uh I, you know JJ what really frightens me and you can appreciate this as a father uh as an investor and as a uh, economist and a very very smart man um the crunch for housing uh the, the global crises for affordability in housing uh and, and I believe well, we and we all know this, It's cheap money. It's zero interest rates that has funded all asset prices higher. And I said to Jack earlier in the week, it really doesn't matter what you buy. Just put your money into an asset. You cannot leave it in the bank because inflation is now running at 4.1%. So there's significant inflation out there. Um, Temporary, permanent, debatable.
5: Jack thinks temporary. Uh, Correct, Jack? I do think that this phase is temporary, and it will peak. Actually, we've seen signs that it actually has peaked for this part of the cycle, Wolf. But I, I do think that the higher growth trade, and we are going to have some structural inflation, and it's going to persist over uh, decades, and it, it'll start building a base now and then move higher over time. But I do, I do think that we have seen uh, the the peak in this cycle, and we also saw it in lumber, Wolf. You marked the top there, buddy. You paid eight well, bucks no, a, a yeah, two-by-four. I, want, I, to two to I see them at four bucks a two-by-four now. I, I want people. to talk about that. No, my so friends at home.
4: Thank you. No, jack, Jack's been feeling bad for me for the amount of money I've been spending on lumber. Through the roof, uh, I bought some decking material for a 60-square-foot deck, uh, cedar. It's so over $1,000. Anyway, so Jack was kind enough to go back to – he's been price shopping for me, trying to find me some deals. And, and he found me some two-by-four at, what, three sixty a, a two-by-four,
5: Jack? Was, I think it was three ninety nine, and in the middle of that peak, I, rem- I remember telling you, "Well, if I was using reclaimed cedar to build um, to, to build picnic tables up at the cottage, I couldn't afford new cedar." You know, the law of substitutes is a fascinating, uh, <laughs> you know, but that's what you're talking about. The law
4: of I substitutes, know. Uh, and, and that too is very, very fascinating. But I, I want to throw it back to JJ because I get uh, low interest rates is driving asset prices higher, uh, an elections coming up, uh, international pressure, local pressure, you name it on affordable housing and the the ability or perhaps lost American dream, lost Canadian dream, that if you work hard, you can buy a house. Uh, Please, JJ, speak to that.
2: I don't even know where to begin. I, I think there is this massive amount of speculation driven by low rates. And at some point... You know, interest rates are going to be higher. We could talk about inflation and maybe in in a little while. I agree with Jack that longer term, we could have a bit of an inflation problem. It's temporary now. So in a long, in over five plus years, I think rates could be higher. Uh, All I can say is I remember having a financial plan done in 1989 when our first son was born. I was right out of grad school. My wife and I were working and a guy says, oh, you're never going to be able to afford a house. We bought one two years later because prices crashed. And uh, there's a history of, Long cycles in real estate, just like we've been talking about the equity market, and at some point rates will go up and there'll be a problem. And in, in the meantime, rates are going to stay low. You know, it, it, the thing just may run out of gas and start to stabilize. That's not an environment where prices come down. Uh, you know, we're getting. You know, young people have that misfortune of having to pay up for housing. Pr- housing. But at the same time, uh, they're getting more money in inheritances than any generation in the past, and they've got the lowest interest rates. Interest rates, sorry, than many most generations in history. So, uh, they, they, it's not all woe is me. I think that uh, there's a supply problem. So far, governments just deal with it through the demand side of things: give people more money, pump it up, pump it up. Keeps everybody happy. Uh, and voting for them, uh, at some point they need to deal with the supply side. They need to change bylaws, allow you know different forms of housing and density, and get you have to knock the nimbys out of the way. And at some point rates will go up, and that'll equalize everything for everybody. And uh, you know the dream got smashed in the U.S. in two th- after 2006, created big social problems that are we're still dealing with today. So I think in terms of when the housing price correction comes, and it will come at some point. Uh, We better be careful what we wish for, because that decline in prices is going to hurt people who have invested everything in real estate and will have social problems.
4: Uh, I'm loving you very much, John, as, as I always do. John Johnson, Davis Ray. Good friend of mine, economist, strategist, very smart man with a big heart. Uh, Lots to discuss. We're talking money, my good friends. We want you to have a lot of it. Uh, Stay tuned. It's Hi-Fi Radio, Global News, 640
3: in Toronto. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.
4: call that can con radio. Canadian content yep music radio must play 35% Canadian music Canadiana and that's why bands like that got so much airplay uh, likewise with Rush and web so all great bands of course but you know slightly overplayed relative to other great artists as well but I digress into uh, specifics of broadcasting that said I gave you a little triumph there at the open uh, tiff taking place and uh, a movie has been made about Triumph uh, that, that has been featured at TIFF. I'm looking forward to seeing that. And uh, our good friend John Johnston uh, had a staycation uh, traveling uh, this beautiful country of ours by car, avoiding airports. Which I think is very, very smart. And just telling me that you spent some time in uh, the Maritimes in Prince Edward Island. And uh, I just rewatched watched uh, The Grand Seduction uh that was a TIF film uh, a few years ago it's so funny the grand seduction jg you gotta watch it uh <laughs> it's, it's absolutely classic movie it's, it's, it's just wonderful uh okay. but let's uh, let, let's lay it on the line we're talking money here it's a show about just that uh, of course on wolfgang klein any questions for jack or i wolfgang the wolf on bay street.com john johnson good friend of mine is uh, an economist market strategist semi-retired uh, but you never really leave a business like this, and uh, John, of course, continues to keep his mind sharp, advising uh, Davis Ray, which is an independent shop. We're going to be having actually uh, one of your partners on, uh, uh, Mr. O'Connell, uh, joins I think next week. Hey, eh, Jack, uh, it's going to be le- it's going to be That's a good right, show yeah. as well with him. Uh, good, and I will say, um, John, I'm very impressed with the um, with the writing. Uh, and the content uh, that your firm is uh, is building on their websites. It's really, really good stuff. Caught my attention. I, I, I commend you all for that. You're really working hard and uh, trying to help people build wealth. Uh, we're all in together, my good friends. Uh, the great dream of owning a home um, is, is becoming a real political issue. Um, It's—and uh, It was laughable to see some of the, uh, not debates, but the one-ons with the uh, party leaders on CBC this week and when Jagdeep Singh was being interviewed, uh, the, uh, the moderator, uh, who, who was very sharp and, and, and kept all of them on point and would not let them be political and, 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 and go off on tangents and tangerines. Uh, but that's exactly what Jagdeep Singh did. He, he was trying to uh, avoid a question about uh, what he's going to do for younger people to help them get in the housing market. His response, he's going to attack the telecom companies and have the cell phone bills reduced. <laughs> really? Did you not hear the question? We're talking housing, not saving $38 on your phone bill. Um, And and, and JJ, look, in my opinion, I I do not think this is a complicated problem. Uh, Housing shortage. Uh, Much of the housing shortage, of course, uh, and the pressure on housing is international. It it has to do with immigration uh, and it has to do with international money. Uh, So at the margin, individuals like that are certainly pushing some housing prices higher. And there's a lot of local frustration around that. But again, uh, I'm not into closing the, the borders on uh, foreign money coming to Canada. Uh, that, that's a closed economy, and, and that can be a slippery slope. Stay with me, friends. Don't get mad at me just yet. And the reason I can easily say that, we live in Canada. You watch the grand seduction. They can't get a doctor to town. <laughs> this is a big Country, there is no land shortage in Canada. We are underpopulated. The issue is they don't open up land for development. They make it very tedious and arduous and slow to 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 expand uh, the the landscape. Uh, so I, I, you mentioned just before the close, the government's not dealing with supply; they're dealing with demand. And and, and Jack, again, both you gentlemen, you're you're economists, not I. But uh, there's two two parts of that equation, and supply. And demand. Uh, so, JJ, speak to speak to that, and Jack, please pipe in as well.
2: Well, you know, I, I'm just—it's not new, right? People, you know, buy all these, you know, giant houses, and they don't want, you know, anywhere near them any kind of infill with smaller houses or four or five story apartment buildings don't want those renters in the neighborhood. We've a lot of municipal bylaws need to change a lot to allow more fill in and more density to occur. And you don't need to do it with 50 story condo towers. One of the Mm -hmm. things that's going to be interesting is as um, we've all learned to work differently in the pandemic. uh, Do we need to live in Toronto? Do we need to live in these big cities? Um, I haven't been in, I went into to see Davis Ray's new office, which isn't ready yet and we haven't had an office since february uh the 28th of 2021 you know who cares about an office um people we are our firm is working fine without having an office you got a couple people in a rented space downtown uh because they, they, it's not as easy for them to work at home but Maybe it's, things are going to be different, and you don't need to build any more housing in Toronto, uh, and you can build it somewhere else, and you can open up all the Canadian landscape for that. And right now, we're building all... As a friend of mine keeps saying to me when we talk about this endlessly, uh, we keep building all this housing on top of prime, primal, you know, prime farmland. Why not build it up further up north on rocks? And uh, all you need is a couple good transportation routes up there, some better roads. We've got pretty good roads, better roads, train, and lots of telecommunication. And you don't need to don't need it. All these uh, people can work from home, and uh, maybe there's room to spread the density out. And there's nodes happening. You know, there's a lot of growth in some of these smaller urban centers. Hamilton. Uh, there's lots of things that can be done. You just have to be creative. Yeah, you know your farmland point
4: is in, uh, is very interesting. I I, I respect that. Cause to take good farmland. Uh, you you have to be able to feed yourself and feed your people. And we, you know, what do they call it? It's something to kid And I'm the chef on the on the on the group here. That's <laughs> up my mind. Uh, farm to table, correct? Is not that what it, JJ? Farm to yep, table. That's, that's right. The, the, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Jack. Uh, uh, you you want to pipe in there, please.
5: Yeah, no, I would just echo um, JJ's comments there. I was talking to my brother a week ago and he said, we were driving through Bracebridge and he said, there's no. He worked, and my brother works for Magna. So he's like, there's no reason that a Magna plant can't be up here in Bracebridge, Ontario, which is, again, he's not saying that that's a plan that they're going to do, but he's just saying, you look at the European model and as JJ said, they have hubs, right? We're all congregating all in the big cities here. Why not spread it out? Like he said, logistics is uh, significant. Obviously we do have transportation, but it can certainly be done. And it also brings up, uh, the, the wages in those types of areas and that it increases the housing because there is a housing shortage, not just in Toronto, it's across the board now. I know. And it's, it's an international problem.
4: And, and now it's being compounded with supply disruption uh, and, and, and product shortage shortages and, and, and inflation. Um, so there's a lot of pinch points in the system. But again, you, you, Jack you, or JJ, you make an interesting point about farmland, because it's, it is not wise to take to take land that was once forest, you turn it into farms. So that, that's environmentally impactful uh, to, to, to the bad. But so be it. It's set up that way. Uh, at least now you're growing something on you're feeding people locally, not to transport that stuff and burn more fuel, if you can feed yourself locally, and, uh, and, and yourself sustainable in that regard which is i think very intelligent uh in terms of building on rock <laughs> we certainly have a little bit of that in this country And i go back to the grand seduction that movie is, is classic but they couldn't coerce a doctor to come to that little town to take care of the people and the people needed a doctor if they were to get the um oh it's a waste plant that's coming in an oil waste plant uh it once wants, wants to, uh, to create a factory and hence uh, offer some jobs to these poor fishermen who have no employment and they uh, they're they're collecting pogie uh, or on a, or uh, welfare, as a matter of fact. Um, uh, so it, it is quite the story. But why don't Canadians want to move east? Uh, we have a, the East Coast is so beautiful. Yet the, no one lives there. I don't understand. Uh, you just returned, JJ. Can you speak to that point?
2: Well, um, people are moving east. You know, they're getting pretty. Um, I found the Easterners weren't quite as friendly towards us with our Ontario license plate as they have been in the past. And I think they're sick of Ontarioans coming up and buying their homes, just like can, some, some Torontonians are tired of the foreigners coming up and buying our homes and making it increasingly difficult to interact. I, I think one of the things, you know, moving to Bracebridge for a lot of people wouldn't be the most exciting thing. Uh, I agree. Now, uh, but, you know, in 15 years, if a, a few companies relocate in a place like Bracebridge, you're going to get some culture building up around that you end up with a a local theater a live theater you end up with some festivals you end up with some nice restaurants like 20 years ago none of us would have ever given Hamilton a second thought Hamilton's pretty cool now they got the kind of things that higher income professionals want to see when they're relaxing and enjoying themselves uh even a friend of my a friend of mine spent some time in um,
4: Edmonton and uh, he actually began falling in love with the, with, with the city. He said, there's some fantastic culture in the city now because, because of the money around it. Uh, so, yeah, uh, indeed, it does happen. You are correct. Look, we're speaking with John Johnson. Sorry, I just want to get to a break here. John, I want to come back to you. Uh, of course, Jack Hartle, my partner, uh, producer of the show, uh, Hi-Fi Radio is a weekly that we do right here on Global News 640 in Toronto each and every Saturday night. Please, if you have any questions for Jack or I, uh, We welcome you to reach out, WolfgangKlein.com. You can also get a view of how we manage money and how we help clients build success. Uh, I've been at this game for over 20 years, and it seems like yesterday when I began. Very exciting times, my good friends. Stay tuned. More show right after this.
3: Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
4: Today hey, hey, just an every day day, and it's all your state of mind. At the end of the day, you just got to say it's all right. It's Hi-Fi Radio, a show about money. If you spend time with Jack and I, you're going to have more of it. Uh, honestly, you will. Uh, and that's all right. Uh, John Johnson is spending some time with us this evening. Very smart man. He's an economist. He's a strategist. He's been in the business for a long time. He's semi-retired now, but still continues to uh, get up in the morning and uh, offer his advice to Davis Ray, of which he is a partner with. It's a money management firm, a little independent firm here in Toronto. Very, very good firm uh, I I know uh, a number of the partners with. And They're my friendly competition, and I I welcome competition. I I, I fear not. I welcome competition uh, because we're all in this together, my good friends. Indeed, we are. Um, Yes, John spent some time in the East Coast for a few days, and uh, I feel Canadian right now, so I'm going to give you some CanCon along the way during the show. A little great big C there. Uh, So... We continue with, with this uh, uh, political push on real estate and affordability. Uh, you know, John, I do want to remind you and remind everyone uh, before we get, we get further to the conversation about the difference in times for each major generation from, from from boomers to Xers to Ys to Zs. And I don't know if you're going to start back in the A's, I guess. Eh? Um, generation A, I wouldn't mind being an A generation, but uh, I digress. When I bought my first home, mortgage rates were 11 and three quarter percent. Uh, each mortgage payment uh, at the beginning during the first five years 90 percent of a monthly payment was to service the debt 10 percent was to service or, or to pay off the pay off the debt so for the first five years you're basically back then at eight or, or a 10 or 12 percent interest uh, a, a or was basically supporting the interest payments and not really reducing the uh, the outstanding balance it took years 10 to 15. That when you start to see it be about a 50-50 split, half interest, half principal, very different uh, uh, math today uh, at two percent mortgage rates. All of a sudden, uh, I'm not sure if it's fifty or sixty percent of each monthly payment. It could even be higher. Uh, and do the math on hundred thousand bucks; that would be two thousand bucks of interest. You'd have a four hundred fifty dollar monthly payment. Um, yeah, so twenty-five. Yeah, so I think about eighty percent or ninety percent, in fact, of a monthly payment right now is um, principle, where you're reducing the outstanding debt, and 10% of your monthly payment. In fact, is only servicing the debt. So, uh, anyone taking on a big chunky mortgage today, as chunky as it may be, um, you are quickly building wealth with each monthly payment. So, feel good about that, because uh, uh, when I bought my first home, I wasn't building month. I wasn't building wealth with each monthly payment. But it's a very political issue uh, this year. Uh, and I do think we have to continue to find means to solve the problem so that affordability remains um, viable, I think, for each and every generation uh, in this great country of ours. But, but how can we? So JJ, so, JJ, let's find some more solutions that we could perhaps uh, offer to uh, the politicians listening to the show right now.
2: Well, we've talked about a few things, but I just just a quick observation. I don't watch the economic data as closely as I used to, but I do I do look at it every once in a while, and I notice that Canadian housing starts are at a 40-year high, and uh, that means there's a lot of wow. places being started. So the the supply side is responding. Um, basically, the the best cure for high prices is high prices because it ultimately stimulates supply. And it has, and you know housing starts have been running pretty good in Canada for a number of years now, so the supply side is adjusting uh i think it's be- it's being swamped by a- an element of mania um you know we've experienced. you and i wolf have experienced some housing cycles um you Know if we look back to the early 70s, there was a big there was a bust in the early 70s, there was a big bust in the early 80s, and there was a big bust in the early 90s, which worked to my advantage. And it sounds like, and,
4: and, my, and my well, yeah, I, I bought a home that, that's yeah, my second home in the 90s, my first home in the uh, in 1990. These uh, are the, so the I, I got hit in the 80s, the late 80s, uh, when rates were 12, but then I meant to make up for it in 96 when I I did buy, I, I reset the deck. Uh, At a much better point. Uh, Oh yeah, it it wasn't easy. I must say, the real estate market uh, was not easy uh, back then, and all people know is a sure way to make money to buy real estate. And and, and at some point, I'm just waiting for that rude awakening. And we have been in a 27 year real estate bull market it began in 96 and it is 2021 and here in, in canada there really has not been a correction greater than six months unlike america which had a correction during the financial crises that lasted a number of years number of years so that they had a real correction we didn't their affordability came back in where prices stay uh, drop became extremely affordable stabilized supply met demand much healthier Up here in Canada, the world looks at us and says, oh, my God, is your market ever expensive? And it continues to go higher. Uh, Durham region popped some 40%, all COVID-driven, which, again, philosophically leads me to, um, will this new way of life stick? Uh, Because I do believe the younger generation entering the workforce, unlike the, uh, you know, you're you're, you're semi-retired. I'm eight years away or nine years away from retirement. My entire career has been spent downtown, nose to nose, toes to toes with people, developing human interactions and, and and true relationships with people that have been invaluable in my career. So I can sort of rest on those laurels, you know, for the next 10 years, I have enough relationships around me. But younger folk don't have that. And they need that beyond social media, I believe.
2: I agree. I look at my kids. Absolutely the case. Um but when, you know, I, when I worked at that big bank that we worked at together, I used to spend a lot of time traveling across the country. And you know, I was in some small places, Prince George, B.C. and other places, and there were guys, people there. I shouldn't say guys anymore, people there who had pretty big books, uh, made a lot of money for our former employer uh, through commissions. And, you know, there's a lot of businesses that can generate that kind of activity for a lot of people all over the place. And uh, I I think the geographic spacing out of things is going to come, and ultimately that's going to be it. And, you know, I'd leave you with maybe one thought. Think about what the end of the secular bull market in equities that Javed Times at 2029 or 2030, that lines up with a lot of these ideas that we're in another roaring 20s.
4: Yeah, that's uh, right.
2: And we're building up, you know, we had a crisis in 2008, 2009, which was a debt crisis. Uh, We now have more debt other than U.S. households and a few other areas uh, of the world economy. We have way more debt globally in the private sector and the government sector uh, and that's all going to come home to roost. And I look at the rhythms of history, like a lot of cyclical analysts do, including technical analysts. And I know Javed looks at that and um, his former boss, Ray Hansen, who I think we both think pretty highly of, uh, you know, it, 08, 09 looked like 1921 in hindsight, 2021, and maybe 1929 is coming. Uh, in 2029 and we have to ask us even if it doesn't ask yourself the question what's going to trigger the end of the secular bull market in equities and could that have an impact on housing yeah the answer is interest rates it's
4: as simple as that that's my answer and I don't know you're the economist so I'll call you the professor am I correct
2: yep and you know ultimately we're laying with all the government debt in the system with weak governments populist governments weakening uh, public institutions and central bankers now talking about worrying about what the the unemployment rate is amongst marginalized communities. Uh, and I think the unemployment rate amongst marginalized communities is very important, but it's not important for setting interest rates uh, that uh, we're setting the conditions for a nice run in inflation, as Jack alluded to earlier. And on a five-year view, I think we could have an inflation problem, not in a three-year view. Uh, and that means much higher interest rates, and much higher interest rate means that whole asset price inflation reverses. Correct, yeah. Well,
4: JJ, uh, on that note, you sort of brought me down, but uh, it is the roaring 20s, so we got time. Uh, A good bit of time, my good friends. Just just stay close to us, and we'll do our best to navigate through the turbulence for the next 10 years. Like I said, we got time, but... uh, Yep, uh, buyer beware, and it's it's good to have some kind of a roadmap and a gauge as to how to play it out. Don't leave the party yet, I guess is what we're saying. Stay tuned. Uh, More show, of course, right after this.
3: Listen, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.
2: There
4: we go. Three songs lined up. All Canadian. Let's talk about the dollar, Canadian dollar. It's been quite strong. Uh, of course, commodities have been strong, and that makes sense. Petrocurrency. Let's never forget that. Uh, one of our managing directors, Mr. Jeff Blanco, he's a currency trader, uh, expert, of course, in the Canadian dollar and the US dollar. Uh it's going to spend some time with us. Thank you very, very much, Jeff, for joining us. Appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having me.
4: And thank, uh, thanks so, thanks
1: for the uh, just one quickly and thanks for the uh, prairie song as an old prairie boy I appreciate that.
4: I, I I know you are that's exactly why I gave you that. <laughs> I uh, I was going to say I was going it was going to be a song for me clap for the wolf man. I said I'll no, just give this one to Jeff uh, being a uh, a man from the prairies. Um yeah is like that or, or a week kings thing? Uh yep. indeed. So, uh, so yeah let's let's speak about the looney. Uh it's flirting with what 80 cents. Um it's up 3 or 4 cents this year um what's your what's your take on it for the, for the balance
1: of the year uh, and looking uh, further out well we had uh, there's lots going on and obviously in the in the world of financial markets right now we've got uh, the concerns about the Delta variant we've got all kinds of inflation expectations peaking up globally now um, and expectations of what central various central banks are going to to do about that so, I think what the last time was on your show was back in early June, before the the June Fed meeting, when they had a massive hawkish shift. And I think I warned you at the time that to keep an eye on Fed, um, the Fed narrative, as well as the Canadian dollar positioning, that was uh, a an issue for me. Uh, that hawkish move for the Fed in the June and the big position unwind, which not, the market's actually net short Canadian dollars now, was sort of the reason. One of the reasons why we moved from that 120 121 level all the way up here to. To, uh, to the 128. So um, now it's just a function of inflation expectations, I think, globally. The Fed had turned out very hawkish. Now they're doing their best to, to sort of talk that back and now talking about May, have the need for tapering as we get into the end of the year. You've got the ECB uh, becoming a little bit more um, hawkish um, and talking about reducing their PEPP over there, which is their equivalent. And uh, so there's lots of stuff going on. You've got elections in Germany. Um, so it's gonna be an interesting end to the year, I think. Um, some good things out there for the Canadian dollar, uh, like we are still one of the two currencies in the G10 that are up on the year against the US dollar. The US dollars had a pretty good year in general. And uh, look at the commodity run we've had, as you mentioned earlier, um, we're still getting a little bit of yield support, um, the Canadian dollar is now. So um, I think we're probably near the top end for the US dollar and the weakest point for the Canadian dollar. Um, coming into year-end, barring any crazy election outcomes on Monday, but I don't really think that is going to be a major factor for for the currency um, next week. The election will not be a factor for the currency next next week, in I, your opinion. I don't, I don't see it being a big factor. It never really is. Um, yeah. It looks like it's going to be a minority government one way or the other, whether it's Liberal or Conservative. Um, both are spending money. Both have similar-type platforms. I don't think it's going to be a, an earth-shaker for, uh, for the Canadian dollar. So you, but so a, a,
4: a, a, on balance, you think the Canadian dollar is going to actually work its way higher in the next year or so?
1: Um, that once again, that depends on a lot of things. And going into the end of the year, I think it's very likely that we see sort of uh, um, uh, sort of a weakening of the U.S. dollar in general, um, and this is a lot just once again on rate hike expectations and inflation expectations across globally. You get the Bank of England uh, looking at with two hikes priced in and by the end of 2022. Uh, US only has one hike priced in by the first quarter of 2023. Um, so it's just gonna be a function of how the, the data sorts out and uh, how those expectations filter into uh, um, into the interest rate market and impacting the currency market. So I'd like to, I think the US dollar is probably not gonna do much more into the end of the year. Uh, moving ahead from that, uh, uh, I think you'll see you know, I think you'll see more of the of the other central banks globally uh, pushing back, and and uh, in terms of their, you know, fighting their inflationary trends because they're quite high over there, uh, and that'll sort of support the euro. I think the pound will be supported, and all that should sort of weigh in the U.S. dollar in general.
4: We'll yeah, we have, next, we had one of, we had one of our uh, portfolio managers on. Sorry, Jack, um, who, who thought and they, they, Jack, you remember who that person was? That the the first mover in terms of an interest rate hike. Um, will be the, can- uh, will be the can- uh, bank of canada uh, which again will be very supportive of the canadian dollar and by the way friends at home as uh, uh, jeff blanco is speaking uh, about um, global banks and central banks uh, for each nation who control try to control interest rates within their own market when, when a central banker is looking at inflation they can be take on one of two uh, uh mindsets one of a hawk Uh, which means that they're very concerned with inflation. They're flying over with with very sharp eyes, watching inflation, ready to move and pounce, as opposed to a dove when they're not concerned. So hawks and doves. A hawk does not like inflation. They're going to watch it very closely and react with a higher interest rate policy. And if they're dovish, they are going to let it slide and let it run a little longer. So I just want to share that with you. Hawks and doves, my good friends, you've learned something this week. Uh, sorry, Jack, you want to pipe in there, please.
1: Yeah. the uh, The problem is right now is like every central bank globally, nobody really wants to have higher rates. Um, they're they're keep talking back. Well, these inflationary expectations is being or these inflationary items is being temporary. Um, that is going to be a very interesting thing. What makes it tougher to call? Who's going to be the first central bank? out of the gate on a hike bank of canada was when we look back a couple of months ago they were probably the the uh most hawkish of the g10 central banks for a while uh our recent data um, has sort of put them once again on the back burner um as well so i, I think uh, my view is going to be the bank of england's gonna be the first one to hike of the major central banks to be honest um, and bank of canada i think will is more moving towards following the fed when that when that happens maybe by the end of 2022. Yeah. Well, again, our last guest, John Johnson, is,
4: sees, you know, obviously some pressure to increase interest rates, but very, very modestly. He doesn't see interest rates, i.e. Mean, the overnight lending rate, getting above 2% for about five years. Right now, what the overnight lending rate, which is what the, a bank can go to the central bank and borrow money for is, is what, zero to a quarter percent still, is it not? So to, to go to, what, a quarter percent to a half percent uh, is still uh, somewhere between zero and zip uh that's it for the show my good friends jeff blanco a managing director uh foreign exchange currency trader at canaccord uh, operating in full force on the trading desk uh of course jack and i uh, take care of retail individuals so we can operate every now and then from thirty thousand feet and stay safe uh and collectively we're here to take you my good friend take care of you my good friends jack good job As always, I want to wish you a safe weekend. I hope your tickle in your throat goes away, but we know that you're COVID-free. That's a good thing. And, of course, my friends at home, I want to thank you for spending some time with us. Any questions, WolfgangKlein.com. We're here to help you have more money, so just uh, know that you have a friend in your camp if the need should arise. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. Global News Radio 640 in
2: Toronto.